Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Morgan, host of the 2023 Alzheimer's World Summit. And I have with me here today, Dr. Kelly McCann, who uh, is a functional and integrative physician. She uh, utilizes her extensive knowledge of root causes in her thriving practice in Orange County, California. She lectures regularly at professional conferences and is on the board of directors for two professional organizations. And she's a graduate of Tulane University uh, School of Medicine and School of Public Health. And she completed a combined residency program in internal medicine and pediatrics in Arizona. And she holds board certification in integrative medicine from the University of Arizona, as well as board certifications in functional medicine, uh, medical acupuncture, and a master's in spiritual psychology. And she was the host of many manifestations of mast cell activation syndrome summit and a co-host of the allergy and asthma summit. So Dr. McCann, uh, welcome again to the Alzheimer's World Summit. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm wondering if we could begin by just, uh, if you wanna share a little history of how you got drawn into this particular area of inquiry, because many people have their own personal stories as to how they were drawn into a, a particular discipline. Yes, I'm happy to do that. Um, I grew up in upstate New York and always was interested in like what we called holistic medicine at that point um, and knew that I wanted to have as many tools as possible to help people. Um, so I studied energy medicine. I studied, you know, um, massage and things like that, acupuncture. And I knew I wanted to do as much as I could to help people. Um, fast forward through my training, um, when I realized that um, one of the differences between conventional medicine and whole, you know, alternative medicine, integrative medicine was that conventional medicine never asked why. Why is, what is unique about this person? What is special about their genetics, their environment, their belief system that might be impacting their conditions. And from that question really drove me to answer it as best as I could. So I studied environmental medicine, you know, functional medicine, all of those things, learned about mold and chronic infections like Lyme disease. And as I was treating people who came to me for mold and Lyme, they were getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I realized that I needed to learn about something else and came across the work of Dr. Lawrence Afrin, Larry Afrin, who talked about this condition called mast cell activation. And it turns out that mast cell activation is a condition of allergy, inflammation, hypersensitivity, that many people who have all of these other root causes like mold, environmental chemicals, uh, Lyme disease, and chron other chronic infections, the mast cells get turned on um, and we get this inflammatory response. And in order to really deal with those root causes, we have to uh, calm down those mast cells first. And it turns out that Many chronic illnesses are related to um, 
an overabundance of inflammation. And we're finding more and more that it is the mast cells um, in large part that are driving that inflammatory response in a chronic condition. Wow. Well, that's uh, a wonderful preface. I think of the mast cells a little bit like an army sometimes that gets carried away and overreacts, you know. That's exactly right. Yes. And it's interesting that as we've uh, spoken to uh, various uh, experts in the summit, obviously the immune system and inflammation are always something that comes up uh, in relation to memory and cognitive issues. And mast cells are becoming even more of a focus since you have an expert in the area. Can we take a little deeper dive into how that works? Like, how is it that the mast cells, that army gets activated? Like, what could be the triggers for it? Why is this something that you felt was like really something that was like maybe one of the root causes of things that you're studying? So the mast cells purpose is to fight foreign, what they perceive as foreign invaders. Um, and they are filled with all these chemical messengers called mediators. And the mast cells are actually related to our blood cells. So they're born in the bone marrow and then they move to the periphery of our bodies. And they actually line the areas of interface between ourselves and the outside world. So they line our upper respiratory tract, they line our lower respiratory tract and our lungs, our gastrointestinal systems, they're on our skin. Um, and they have a high affinity for our nerves and our nervous system, as well as our blood vessels. And as I mentioned, their job is to seek out foreign invaders. And when they perceive a threat from a foreign invader or something that they perceive as a threat, they will release these mediators. And these mediators are numerous. We used to think that there were, you know, a couple hundred. Well, there are probably thousands of different mediators. And the thing that is very challenging in understanding the presentation of the mast cells is that mast cells in the liver or in the gastrointestinal system are going to be different than the composition of the mediators and the mast cells that line the sinuses or that are on the skin or that are on the nervous system. And so it's not like there's one mast cell and it has specific packets of information and, uh, and inflammatory mediators. They vary, uh, from person to person, from tissue to tissue. And so we get this presentation of an overabundance of an inflammatory response that varies uh, greatly from person to person. And um, so that's one of the pieces why part of this mast cell thing looks so different. You know, some people can get dementia, some people can get an autoimmune condition, some people can get um, just irritable, irritable bowel symptoms and SIBO and, um, chronic fatigue. Some people get hives and allergy symptoms. Some people get interstitial cystitis and endometriosis. Um, and so it's, it's underlying many, many, many of our chronic conditions, and we may not even realize it. And that's fascinating. Uh, Dr. Uplager and I were talking the other day about uh, the innate and adaptive immune system and how sometimes there's a conflict between those two. 
And I just wondered if you wanted to say anything about that, because we can see that interplay in the way that the core uh, innate immune system and the adaptive react. I'm sure you've had some experience with that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the mast cells are like the army, like the Marines. They're the first line of defense. And so they're doing their best to take care of us, really. I, I mean, I think that that's important, but they can become hypervigilant, hyper-aware. And yes, it can, there, there is definitely a conflict between the innate and the adaptive immune systems. Um, and also like what we want in our lives, right? We don't want to be inflamed, but we might be inflamed um, because the triggers uh, are causing this to happen. And these triggers are very numerous. And I've already kind of alluded to the triggers for the mast mm-hmm. cells. Um, it could be mold exposure, for example, and mycotoxins. It could be simply a perceived stress, uh, chronic infections, environmental chemicals, pesticides, solvents, um, glyphosate. It can be um, the foods that we eat, the air that we breathe. It can be, you know, anything can trigger the mast cells. And once they get, and let me back up and say, we want our mast cells to fight these things. Right. Right. Because that's the body's response to a threat. However, mast cell activation syndrome is when the mast cells have gone rogue and now they are releasing their mediators regardless of um, regardless of the level of threat. Um, and they may release their mediators and have an inflammatory response even to things that we're supposed to be able to tolerate, like, drinking water, like eating our food, like, you know, sleeping in a bed, petting a cat, all of those things can trigger mast cell impatience and people who have been like flipped. And now they have this condition. And it, and it turns out that this is actually impacting um, great numbers of people Pre-pandemic, the statistics were that about 17% of the population had issues, 17 to 18% had issues with mast cell activation. Post-pandemic, some of the researchers are thinking that it's closer to 25%. Mm-hmm. Um, and of those who have a chronic condition, we're talking about, you know, 70, 80% of people seem to have a component of mast cell activation if they have chronic conditions. So this is a huge number of people, including folks who are dealing with um, dementia type issues. And, you know, as an aside, perhaps not, you know, when you, when you work with clients or people that have hypersensitivity, you know, they're just sensitive to anything that can trigger them. I think what you're saying is that the mast cells, once they've been activated and maybe a little confused, any little thing will be a trigger that for most people, it wouldn't be an issue, correct? That's exactly correct. Yes. And then there are ways that we can calm them down. um, But it it is a much longer process than the process that got them triggered sometimes. Right. And I'm just curious from your perspective, when you look at the continuum of reaction, like you mentioned, 
many different things. It could be gut issues. It could be memory. Uh, is there a hierarchy that leads to Alzheimer's dementia, or is that just one of many possible outcomes once mast cells get activated? It's probably one of many possible outcomes. You know, in environmental medicine, we have a phrase that the genes load the gun and the environment fires the trigger. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's really important. Everyone comes to being with a certain genetic uh, predisposition and how we manifest illness um, is dependent in part by our genetic predispositions, our constitution, our choices, our capacity for detoxification, uh, our total load. What is our life experience? Um, the the concept that I think is really useful when we're talking about these sorts of things is, is the idea of the sink or the bucket, right? Mm -hmm. So some people are born with this ability to tolerate lots of things. And so my analogy is that they have a really deep sink and a huge drain. And so if you put lots of chemicals and infections and poor life choices and, um, you know, mold exposure, et cetera. But they have this big, huge sink, mm -hmm. a large drain and capacity for detox that is, um, you know, robust. They're not going to have a lot of symptoms, but the people who have a shallow sink and a narrow little drain, they're going to show the presentation of symptoms much sooner than that person with the big, huge sink. Um, because we're born with some amount of environmental chemicals from our, from our parents, from our, you know, ancestors, many of these chemicals get passed down things like lead and heavy metals, um, other sorts of flame retardants. So when we think about, well, why are there, why are the rates of all of these chronic conditions skyrocketing? Well, we're, we live in a toxic planet and we continue to pollute the planet and fill it with lots of chemicals. And unfortunately those chemicals accumulate in our bodies. And so, you know, moms are having babies. Moms are more toxic today than my mom was, you know, decades and decades ago than your mom was, even a few more decades than that. Yeah. So, um, so that's part of the reason is that we're born more toxic. And we know from cord blood studies in babies 20 years ago that babies were born with hundreds of chemicals in them. And I'm sure the the numbers are much, much higher now. And then add to that, that we're living in this toxic soup of so many chemicals. You can't go to the store without buying something in plastic, right? It's very difficult to get, um, to get food, to get um, any sort of products that don't have chemicals in them. Um, we have to work really hard to avoid chemicals. So we're constantly being bombarded and our, and our bucket is overflowing. And that's just one piece of the puzzle. And then those toxins get the trigger, the mast cells, um, which then lead to increased inflammation, oxidative stress, uh, cellular damage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That could be the title of a book, Born More Toxic. <laughs> it's really interesting 
because you've you've uh, pointed out two things. One's genetics, mm-hmm. and the other thing is the environmental load or toxicity in the environment. Yes. So that's interesting because you know genetics, as we say, with Alzheimer's isn't necessarily the whole piece of the puzzle, but right. it is a factor, right? Depending on the genetics that people inherit. Right. And some people might have more of a proclivity, myself, towards asthma, somebody else, and maybe memory, you know, it's all related. And then um, some of our speakers are pointing out more, this is becoming more of an issue, which to you is in your wheelhouse, is that the environment becoming more toxic also complicates things. Uh, we were just talking yesterday about a new uh, report from University of Michigan, which says that smoke, like from fires, like the Canada's we've had in fires, can actually be a trigger and and detrimental to cognitive function and memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed closely by, I think, pesticide was the second thing on the list. Yes. Enough. Yes, exactly. And what those toxins are doing in people is triggering a mass cell response, um, as well as probably other cellular mechanisms that will trigger inflammation. But to bring it back to mast cells, you know, the mast cells are producers of cytokines and chemokines and all these, you know, inflammatory mediators, they also produce enzymes that break down the blood brain barrier, for example. And so if there's an inflammatory response, um, outside of the blood brain barrier and the mast cells release um, different kinds of proteases and enzymes that break things down, they can literally chomp away at the blood brain barrier, mm-hmm. which then enables mast cells to come into the brain and feed forward that inflammatory response, right? We used to think that microglial activation inside of the brain was the neuroinflammation pathway. But some of the literature that's coming out more recently has really shown that it's the mast cells along with the microglia in this feed forward loop that is driving that inflammatory response. There were some studies that showed that surrounding the, um, the plaque, right? The amyloid plaque in the brains of patients with Alzheimer's, there was a, a, a lot more mast cells surrounding those, uh, those plaques. Um, so there is a component where the mast cells are, are a big part of that inflammatory cascade leading to oxidative stress, et cetera. Um, so those protein, you know, just to kind of uh, say this again, those enzymes, the proteases are degrading the tight junctions that allow for the mast cells to come in. Now, in a normal healthy brain, there aren't a lot of mast cells actually in the tissues themselves, right. um, but the ones that are there, then when things get inflamed, they produce more uh, inflammatory mediators and you get this cycle, the mast cells trigger the microglia, the microglia trigger the mast cells, the blood brain barrier breaks down, and then you are off to the races with an inflamed brain. And that's a beautiful, that's like a piece of gold today for me, because I've been following the way that we have that model of neuroinflammation pathway and didn't realize the mast cells could be there also leading the charge as well. 
fueling that cascade. And then you get cytokine exposure, you get more and more inflammatory processes. So thank you for that. That's a really interesting perspective that I think I'll add to my, my inquiry as well. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, I have to ask on behalf of the people that have a smaller sink, is there anything that people that don't have as, as many resources uh, that can be done to kind of expand their repertoire or give them a, a larger sink, so to speak? Absolutely. I mean, knowledge is power, right? And so figuring out how to live as healthy a life as possible, you know, we know that we should be eating organic. We know that pesticides trigger dementia, whether that's Parkinson's dementia, Alzheimer's dementia, like the studies are very, very clear. Um, so choosing organic, but then you have to think about where are all the other chemicals? Are you using a nonstick pan to cook your beautiful organic food in, right? Got to throw mm -hmm. that out. We've got to go back to like uh, cast iron, stainless steel, um, and then really educating yourself on all of the things that you have control over, paying attention to your personal care products, paying attention to your cleaning products. And then the truth is, um, we are poisoned the most by the chemicals that are in our building materials, the VOCs and paints, the foam that we put in our homes to help seal things, the flame retardants in our, in our mattresses and our furniture. Um, so it becomes a it becomes a lifetime exploration of where are all the chemicals and how can I reduce my exposures? Avoidance is the most important thing and really the first thing that we need to do in terms of making healthy choices for ourselves. Um, and then I do think that being armed with inf information about our genetics is also critically important. So working with a functional practitioner who knows something about genetics, um, there are a variety of different genetic tests out there, but starting to understand what is your unique capacity for detoxification? What are the areas of potential, um, weaknesses or insufficiencies just because somebody has MTHFR gene variant doesn't mean they're they're screwed for life or anything like that mm -hmm. you know? but you probably need to take additional B vitamins to help with your methylation pathways if you have uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms in your glutathione pathways then you probably have to take some glutathione so there are many ways that you can understand where your uh, challenges may be and support those the support those pathways of detoxification. Um, so that's that's what I would encourage people yeah. to do um, to really start to lower that burden. And I imagine when you work with a client, that's what you do. You kind of assess and get a baseline, then suggest how to support whatever needs more support in a particular area. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's really when people come in and when they, when they finally realize like, okay, I have to take responsibility and get on top of my health. It's not just about choosing a healthy diet. It's 
all of the choices that you make and people go through a life transformation, um, you know, starting with the physical choices, starting with the supplement regimen, starting with detox, like how do we get some of these environmental chemicals out? How do we widen the drain? Uh, How do we start getting things to come out? Well, there are simple things. You can do sauna, you can do um, coffee enemas, you can do a variety of different um, greens and uh, substances that will help. Like there's a lot of research looking at chlorophyll and corella, for example, at increasing fat soluble toxins, things like PCBs and pesticides. Um, so knowledge is power and you start going through and adding the things and subtracting the things that you need to do. <laughs> Wonderful. And we're going to have on our website information so people can find out uh, more about what you're doing. Um, what's a good reference you'd like to uh to mention though, for people uh, to can find out more about what you do. I have two websites. I have a brick and mortar practice in Southern California where people can become patients of the practice. It's called the Spring Center. So thespringcenter.com. Um, and then I have um, my personal website where I have blogs, uh, a store, um, and I have a course and that's drkellymccann.com. And, um, you tell me, but if I, if I can share more about the course. Yeah, well, that's fine. I think people can look on the website and find more. We have a way to have a product so that, you know, it's a little bit of a bonus that we can share with people. So that is terrific. Um, Dr. Kelly McCann, thank you so much for being part of our, uh, I know we could talk even more. This is a great introduction to your particular area of expertise. So thank you for sharing uh, that with us today. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thank you.